Hello, and welcome to Project Zion Podcast. I'm your host, Blake Smith, and I am excited today because I'm here with special guests. I'm here with Julie Smith and Tepi Dimmitt, daughter and granddaughter of President Wallace B. Smith, of President Emeritus Wally B. To many of us, this is the fourth part of our series honoring President Smith's memory. And from the stories that we received over the last couple of weeks, it's just really clear how much he was loved. First of all, welcome, Julie and Teppy. Thank you. Good to be here, Blake. (laughs) Really good to have you guys. And uh, I just say on behalf of of the church, and uh, I think one of our stories that we'll finish with will add to that, but just thank you. I can't imagine um, being... Uh, a daughter or granddaughter of the president of the church and and what kind of pressures that might have been, but we'll maybe hear some of those stories as well. Tebby, you have not been on a podcast before. Maybe before we go any further, I should just let you say a little bit about yourself so people know who you are. And, and Julie, we'll give you that chance to recap in case people haven't heard your episode. Okay. Um, one. Tippy Damon. I live in the Chicagoland area, Hoffman Estates, Illinois, for those in that know the area. Um, I don't know a whole lot what I can say. One of my kind of passions as far as like the church goes is youth ministries. I participate in senior high camps. I staff senior high camps and I attend spec every year, delegation staff. So that's kind of my lane and things that I most enjoy doing. Um, as far as, you know, church-related stuff goes. So um, that's me. So, Teppy, without, real quickly, without giving up your age, because I never ask a woman her age, because we're going to be talking about your grandpa, um, were you alive while he was still president of the church? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, I was born in 85. So I was, like, 10 when he retired, um, just because I was born in December. So, um, yeah, so I have... I'm probably the only one that of the grandkids that probably remembers that part of his life. Um, okay. My sister was three years younger than me um, and her memory is not very good. <laughs> um, so she would have only been, you know, six, seven um, at the very end of it. And then, yeah, my other uh, cousins are quite a bit younger. So I remember it. I don't know, like specifically like one thing. I just like, the thing is that everywhere we go, cause we moved around a lot. Um, so anytime we would go to a new place or I go to a new camp or something like that as a kid, it's kind of weird. Everyone knowing who your family is without you knowing who that person is. So they're like, Oh, your grandpa's this. And like, you know, kind of, uh, uh yeah. And I'm like, uh, I didn't think he's a, big deal other than he's just my grandpa you know that's you know like just grandpa yeah yeah exactly so that's was always just a little bit weird but other than that like that's kind of the gist I remember it being as part of my life because we didn't live here or anything like that during that time so it it wasn't like we were doing a bunch of you know ceremonial stuff with him or anything like that so it's just everyone kind of knowing who he was but I'm I'm guessing from from the stories that I've been hearing and some of that I've read that he probably would have wanted you to feel that yeah he's just grandpa right yeah exactly yeah he was pretty humble when it came to stuff like that so because we were even talking about um, when I saw him last the because they have that Wally B scholarship um, yeah. during spec and they were talking about kind of changing it or whatever kind of combining it with some other scholarship and we're just saying like is that okay with you like he we knew he wouldn't care anybody who wanted to give you know his thoughts he's like my name doesn't even really need to be on it like you know that kind of thing so you know he didn't really he wasn't into any kind of recognition or praise or anything like that so so julie how about you um, well, I'm the middle daughter of, I have two sisters and we did grow up in independence and I was involved in a lot of church things, but I was 14 when dad became the president designate. So I, I was already, you know, a lot of way through my childhood. 
and it didn't make a lot of difference in you know like going to school i mean i heard stuff like prophet's daughter and stuff like that which you know kids can just be mean no matter what uh, they'll right. always find something but we you know kept a pretty normal childhood so it wasn't a big huge change for us except that dad was going to be gone a lot more cuz he went on of course a lot of trips long trips to you know lots of different countries um i remember one christmas they both mom and dad went to australia and during the christmas time in australia they have their reunion so they were going to australia to to go to the reunion there and so we were without them during christmas and i remember wow. that was not a great christmas <laughs> that year um but other than you know other than that they tried to just keep it as normal as possible and you know not disrupt our lives all that much um and then i you know went to graceland and i you know there was some people that were you know act, maybe acted differently towards me than they might other people just because of that but it it didn't ever bother me a lot and then i um got married and moved away from you know the center place um so it, like teppy said we started um kind of our trek moving to a whole bunch of different places but the good thing was whenever we did move to a new place we immediately got hooked into whatever local congregation there was and it was immediate you know family immediate community so that the kids got you know they went to the camps and got into whatever youth thing was happening and so it made all of our moves i think a little bit easier um just knowing that that ready made community was was there um i now work for the church i work in human resources at headquarters in independence and i really enjoy that um i get to meet lots of different people and get to you know kind of help out our employment in the you know in hiring new people and things like that and i really enjoy it and i'm the secretary of the high priest quorum and i'm involved in my local congregation good shepherd and in, in independence so I keep pretty involved in church things. So that's me in a nutshell. That's, that's great. So you say you were 14 when your dad became the president designate? Yes. And you're the middle child. Did you or your did, did you or your sisters feel any pressure, I mean, in church or otherwise? I being... don't think so. My older sister was 5 years older than me, so she really had already gone on to college and okay. I didn't really know what she was experiencing. She was in the Graceland nursing program and she was doing her nursing thing. And with five years difference at, you know, when you're a kid, that's a lot. So we, we didn't hang out in the same circles. Um, but I think she, you know, she found her way and she became just her, her own person and she kind of also moved away from this uh the independence area and so it just made her way you know as as a nurse and did her own thing but we've always been really close as a family so we would get together at holidays and everything and like you said he was just dad at any family thing or grandpa he just you know mm -hmm. We didn't just sit around talking about church. I can tell you that. Um, so <laughs> that's good. It was, I think, like you know, a lot of normal families. That's great. That's great. I just was wondering because my daughters have set some boundaries, and 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 I'm just a mission center president, but <laughs> like I was not allowed to go to their camps. <laughs> you know, I could, they they didn't want to be they didn't want to be the president's daughter. They wanted to just to be themselves, and I understood that, so I did right. not. Yeah. In their camps. Um, I didn't know that was an option. 
I was going to say, did your mom go to your- all my youth camps? <laughs> no, yeah, I I think- it was fine. Yeah, I didn't care. So we're just going to take some time to tell some stories. We had some come in through our email, and uh, I'm sure there are just millions more stories, maybe some that you heard over this last weekend. I want to start off uh, by just reading a comment that was included in Wally B's obituary, and it's a statement by President Vesey. So Stephen Vesey, who is the current prophet president of the church, described President Smith in 2009 when presenting him with the Seminary Vision Award, I believe that future historians of the church will conclude that President Smith not only capably fulfilled the responsibilities of prophet and president, he courageously provided leadership that transformed the church. Such transformational leadership is the essence of what it means to be a visionary, because it not only involves seeing the preferred future, but also setting in motion the strategies that create that future. I know that's a common thread through the stories that came in and and just conversations that I've had with people um, and then listening to some of the previous podcasts uh, that have been done about the different eras in the church. So it seems to me like um, Wally's dad, W. Wallace Smith, began to make some of those changes in the 60s when he began engaging at um, St. Paul School of Theology. But Certainly, your dad and and grandpa um, just really opened the doors for the church to begin to move in the direction God is calling us. So, and it has transformed lives all over and transformed the church, um, specifically with the calling of women to the priesthood, uh, and and the fact that we now have fifty um, percent, about almost fifty percent, I guess, of our world church leadership who are women, and that's wonderful. And I know my family was personally positively affected by the opening of communion. So just some really huge things for the church. My memories, starting with Julie, with your grandfather and, and Tepe, your great-grandfather, uh, just going to conference and the the incredible um, dignity and posture with which both he and your dad carried themselves and were just so deeply respected and um, and this is not about about Wally B, but about your your grandfather Julie. But um, one of my one of my memories from going to conference was going to Stevenson's Apple Orchard um, for lunch during conference, mm-hmm. and there was a wait list as usual, and we had signed in as the Smiths, and so then at one point the hostess called the Smiths, and my parents had started to get up from where we were sitting, and coming across the lobby was your grandfather and grandmother and my mother just quietly sat down. (laughs) (laughs) So, and, and I think for me that carried through certainly with, with your dad as well, just uh, such a deep respect. So I really appreciated that. Well, when you listen, sorry, when you look to the service, I mentioned Stevenson's Mm -hmm. in it. Oh, do you? Yeah. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. Lots and lots and lots of memories. Well, speaking of memories, let's get into a couple of the stories that we received. And then if something sparks something for you, just feel free to break in. The first one we got was from Ted Tinsman in Springfield, Missouri. And this is what Ted writes. While attending law school at the University of Missouri Columbia School of Law, I was involved in leadership in the Liahona student group. Our group invited guest ministers from the church to offer ministry in small group settings and retreats. We even had President Vesey join us before his call to an apostle. I arranged for President Smith to join us for one of our evening fellowships in Columbia, Missouri. He must have been coming for another reason because our small group would not have justified his ministry with us by itself. However, I do not remember other events that he was attending. I was so impressed that when I called headquarters to arrange the meeting, I spoke directly to him. This was amazing. I was able to speak directly with the president of the church. I was not expecting that. As a young student, I was so impressed by his level of service and the gentle nature in which he attended to our ministry. I have never forgotten this incident, and I imagine that 
with a life legacy of his gentle ministry, he will be missed by many. I hope this story is meaningful to someone. I don't know, but I'm I'm guessing I, I cer certainly there's a possibility that he had other reasons. But everything that I've ever heard about um, Wally B would that be that he might have made that trip over to Columbia to just yeah, be with that yeah. little group, don't you think? Yeah. Yeah. So though, and that's a recurring theme through through the stories as well. Just uh, the personability of Wally B and and just you guys have talked about he was just dad he was just grandpa but um he tried seemed to try to be that everywhere he was which is really neat so there's another one from christopher clark out of apple valley minnesota and he writes to whom it may concern i have grown up in the church my father elder clinton clark was pastor of our local congregation for most of my young life we attended the dekalb illinois church and in 1976, we built a new building. I was excited as myself and a friend, Matt Gabrielson, were to be the first baptisms in the new font. Then imagine the news that the newly designated president and prophet of the church is coming to bless our building. As an eight-year-old, it didn't get any better than that, except when you learned what was also going to be that he was also going to be staying at our home. Wait, what? Chris writes, I still remember to this day sitting at our dinner table, the good one, with Wallace B. Smith, president and prophet of our church, holding my hand as we said a blessing on our food. He was incredibly kind, gracious, funny, and had an aura about him that drew you in and kept you there. He graced us with stories of his life and travel sharing funny moments during worship services and camps alike. He offered advice about how to talk with God and the kind of life choices I should consider if I truly wanted to be a priesthood member like my dad one day. As I noted, even nearly 50 years later, I recall with vivid detail Wally in our home, laughing, sharing, eating great food my mom prepared, and sleeping in our guest room right next to my room. Unfortunately, he was unable to attend my baptism. Trust me, I asked. But again, even in having to deny my request, he was the kindest, most gracious man I could imagine and thanked me for asking him to be the lucky person who had the honor, honor of baptizing me. I believe he did mention my dad would be a pretty good replacement. So that was great for me. He was a true pioneer of our church, leading with honor, grace, a deep bond with the divine and a genuine care for each and every member and friend of our beloved reorganized church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. I am truly a blessed man for having known him, having talked with him, and having him be the inspired by the divine leader he was. He is and will continue to be missed greatly. So I'm wondering, did you guys have a special din dining room table, the good one that you ate at when he was home? <laughs> We didn't ever eat at the good one unless we had other guests. We just ate in the kitchen, of course. Uh, but <laughs> we, you know, broke out the china and stuff for even for our family, like Thanksgiving dinners and stuff like that. We would sit at the good table. That's that's neat. I, you know, I that's another thing about my dad was a district president for a number of years and. And your dad never came and stayed at our house, but other members like of the Council of Twelve did. And I, rem I remember, I can sense that feeling that Christopher had of just the honor of having him in your house and sitting at your table and, and that kind of thing. And my mom probably would have pulled out the china and the crystal and <laughs> had the very best. So, Kepi, you want to tell one of the stories? Uh, Sure. Which one? I have one from... Dan, I think it's Whitmore. Uh, so sorry if I'm not saying that right. Um, one personal encounter with President Smith that raises to the top for me is the humbling experience of being ordained bishop by President-elect Smith and Bishop Francis Hansen in 1977, Denver Stake Reunion at Palmer Lake, Colorado. This moment invigorated me to be 
active with the task of strengthening the financial future of the church using my legal, financial, and ministerial skills. I believed it to be a calling that I could make a positive that could make a positive difference. Walsby Smith's presence was powerful and inspiring. That's all it says. <laughs> That's a good one. I'm sure that he got to be at a lot of those types of events through the years. And uh, probably, I'm guessing also, well, he probably knew how meaningful it was to people, but there's, there's just... Uh, an undercurrent of uh, again that deep respect that that seems to be um really really meaningful just with that ministry of presence so really neat yeah. well i have a i have a favorite one i i want to read this one this one came in and as soon as i read it i just i fell in love with it not that i don't appreciate all of the stories i really appreciate <laughs> everybody sending in the stories but there was something about this one that really captured me this comes from Chris Hall Noble of Lancaster, Wisconsin. Uh, Chris writes, my six-year-old son, John Noble, had just sat down after going through the evening dinner line. He forlornly looked at me and said, mom, I can't eat this grilled cheese sandwich. It's burned. Of course, as I glanced at the food line, it was rather long. I didn't know if there was enough sandwiches for everyone if I returned his burned one. All of a sudden, I heard a kind voice say to John, I really like burned sandwiches. They're my favorite. Would you like to trade your sandwich with me, please? I couldn't believe it. President Wally B. Smith, the guest minister for the week, was offering his perfectly done grilled cheese sandwich for John's not-so-appetizing one. The switch was quietly made, thanks were expressed, and both John and I were forever touched by President Smith's gentle, loving smile and compassion. There are so many stories of how President Smith's ministry and leadership was impacted my life. This, perhaps, is one of my favorites. I know it's one of mine. <laughs> That's a good one. Yeah, did... did uh, you guys eat the burned one. <laughs> Just kidding. So, <laughs> does... does did, did he like burned sandwiches, really, or was he just being... <laughs> he never expressed that to me, but he would definitely do something like that. And he yeah. kind of was a peacemaker, too. You know, he he didn't particularly like conflict. Yeah, yeah. Wow. And so that says even more for him, uh, not liking conflict, and yet there was so much conflict in those last couple of years of his presidency and he and he handled that with such grace as well so. that was really really hard on him yeah. but julie there's a story uh from over at dunfield house that i think you were present for you want to share that story sure uh before i read it i just want to say that we went over there in 1976 to for dad's when he became president designate just for, you know, the church over there to get to know him and, you know, for him to get to know the people over there. So we went to a lot of different places on that tour. Um, but I particularly remember Dunfield house and we joined the reunion that was there for a few days. So I think this story is about that. It's from Myra Elliott who lives in Peora, Peoria, Illinois. My husband and two children and I were transferred to in, okay, were transferred to Geneva, Switzerland in the in November of 1976. There was no RLDS group close to us. So we decided to go to reunion in the summer of 1977. We were blessed to be at that reunion with Wally B, Anne, and their two daughters, Julie and Laurie. Fairland was in nursing school and was not able to make the trip. At the end of reunion, this group was asked if anyone was able to take the Smith family to the train station a few hours away from Dunfield House. I thought it was unusual that the directors had not made those arrangements beforehand, Fred and I looked at each other and we raised our hand that we could do it. 
how did we manage to add four more people and their luggage to the tour, the four who are already in our car? This is the miracle part. We had driven our own car from Switzerland through France to the English Channel and taken a ferry to England. In London, we left our car to be worked on with people at the Caterpillar dealership that my husband had gotten to know in his work. One of the men loaned us his VW bus to use while we toured and went to reunion. What a blessing it was. Wally B sat in the front with my husband. Anne and one of the daughters sat in the short middle seat, and our two young children and the other daughter sat in the third long seat. I sat on the floor next to the sliding door on the side. It was a fun trip. We stopped for lunch and had fish and chips wrapped in newspaper, of course. My second encounter in a roundabout way was at the International Women's Conference, first gathering to be held in the newly finished temple. We were divided into small groups. I ended up in a group led by Carolyn. One of the first things she said was that her dad, Wally B, was home babysitting for her so that she and her mom, Anne, could attend the whole conference. That simple statement told me that Wally B had a high calling in leading the church, but he was just like the rest of us. And then she says prayers and blessings to all of the Smith family. So do you remember that trip? I mean, you probably had lots of those kinds of things. Did you remember that one particularly? I don't. I'm so sorry. <laughs> I mean, that sounds significant. I feel like I should remember that. Um, I do remember going to Dunfield House, um, but I don't even know how we got back to the train station. Luckily, they were there to take us. Otherwise, uh, we would have just had sit on the curb. I don't know. But yeah, that was really nice of their family. I'm, you know, I'm glad that that's a, a memory for her. Yeah. And by the way, Myra, if you're listening, I agree with you. I'm not sure why the directors hadn't made those arrangements yet, but um, I have made similar faux pas uh, in just a little detail that gets off the or maybe um, they had made the arrangements and then it fell well, through, through or, or something. You know how that happens. Yeah. There, there you go. Give them the benefit of the doubt. There, there's always things happening. And so thank you, Myra, for, for being willing to be there and take care of that. Maybe that was meant to be. So, Teppy, do you have any other stories? Okay, we got one from Adrian Lucy. Didn't say where they were from. President Walsby Smith was the guest minister at reunion one year at Lewis River Campgrounds. I have forgotten what year it was. People were excited about him being there, but also in awe of his presence. I remember one lady asked me if I thought she could ask him for a picture. My mother had only known Wally B as a teenager while he was living in Portland, Oregon, and his family in the 1940s. She told me my grandfather had been friends with W. Wallace during that time. I kind of thought of Wally B as, fam as a family friend, though I didn't know him personally. So as much as I respected him, I didn't think that he was unapproachable. About the middle of the week, his wife needed to do some laundry. The washing machine flooded and the water poured out all over the floor. Wally B found the mop and mopped up all the water. Many people were amazed. Can you imagine the president of the church mopping the floor? It seemed to change the atmosphere around him. People would sit with him and Anne at meals. There was much talking and laughter around them. He was just like everyone else, even though he provided ministry. I love when I read that story. I don't know if it was just the president of the church that's not expected to mop floors, but I don't find anybody having a problem with me mopping floors. <laughs> I don't find that surprising at all. <laughs> that's, that's expected. <laughs> uh, definitely a different level just being the president of a mission center. But um, <laughs> but yeah, I, I come from the same school as your father. So um, he probably didn't think that was so unusual himself, I'm guessing. Nope. Just pitch right in. Whatever's needed. <laughs> By the way, I think uh, Adrian Lucy is uh, from Salem, Oregon. So thank you, Adrian, for that story. 
There's also one that came in without a name. Uh, so we just have an anonymous short story here. You want to share that one, Debbie? Yes. I remember him visiting a reunion in Colorado that I attended. A group of us young persons were together near the front of the line at the kitchen. It was lunchtime. When he walked past, he said, in any other church, they would roll out the red carpet for me and I would go first. Look at this long line. We offered him a place in front of us. He declined and said, the first shall be last and the last shall be first and the in God's kingdom will be first. I remember his servant attitude. Sure, That's... when you said that, it would have been sarcastic. Oh, yes. <laughs> yes. What he, was that? I'm sure when he said, in any other place, they'd roll out the red carpet for me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't I don't hear that being a regular. Now, I have heard other, other uh, World Church Leadership Council members say things like that, and I think they said it in all seriousness. But I would not have expected that from your grandpa. <laughs> yeah, he would have yeah, been giving them the business, maybe. Yeah, yeah. He, was probably, he had a dry wit. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. All right. Well, we've got a story from, from uh, Wendy Eaton uh, with the Historic Sites Foundation and uh, historic, Joseph Smith Historic Sites. You want to share that one, Julie? Yeah. Yeah, Wendy works currently is in for historic sites. Um, I grew up during Wallace B. Smith's presidency and wasn't even two years old when he began to lead the church through the changes of Doctrine and Covenants 156. I remember lining pennies on a strip of tape as my congregation challenged the kids to give a mile of pennies for the temple construction. I remember the groundbreaking of the temple, though I was too young to pay attention to what President Smith said. Through his leadership, I only know of priesthood, which included women. I always had the opportunity to receive ministry from women and men. I do have one memory of meeting Wallace. I was around nine years old when he came to my congregation to share a sermon before lunch and state conference. For weeks, my Sunday school teacher drilled into us kiddos to be on our best behavior and keep our clothes tidy because the president was visiting. When the big day arrived, our Sunday school class was introduced to Wallace, and he took each of our hands. The biggest part of that memory is that he had Linda Booth traveling with him, and I was thoroughly captivated by her radiant smile. Though my memories of Wallace are vague, I do have memories of the people he called into church leadership, like Linda, and the impact they they and the temple have had on my life. I had brought up sharing stories of Wally B. Smith with the volunteers of Joseph Smith Historic Sites. I hope they send in memories because I never had the chance to go back and record them. The ladies all spoke of how kind Wally was and what it was like to watch his calm, steady leadership through that difficult decade after 156. One of the women was ordained early in that period and was married to a church leader Another was ordained in the late 90s and knew the Smith family in the 70s. The third joined the church recently and mostly knew Wally through her seminary classes. It was fascinating to hear three sides of Wally's life. Well, thanks for that, Wendy. I will say I don't believe that we received those stories from your uh, volunteers there at the historic sites, but we would welcome them to still come in. Uh, we've Probably won't be sharing them on a podcast, but we will share them with the family. And I really enjoy reading these stories. So thank you for sharing a bit of their stories as well. So let's see. What do we have? Teppy, how about uh, the, the story from Jared? Okay. I saw him only one time in person. It was at a regional meeting in Des Moines, Iowa. He sat alone and listened to what was being shared by the instructors and participants speaking only once, and it was it was spoke as a statesman in that it was profound, but with dignity. He acted as a caring, thoughtful person, humble in speech and action. If you do not know who he was, you would have thought he was just a member. Hmm. Yeah. Well, that in itself says a lot. Yeah. <laughs> that- 
seems like that's somewhat of a theme where, and if you didn't know, or he just kind of was a regular guy, you know, people, he wasn't, you know, larger than life. I think that's, people made him out to be that way. But, you know, once people saw he was just like everybody else, like, you know, he seemed either approachable or, you know, he didn't seem above anybody else. So, I mean, I think he, for me, is just the perfect example of a priesthood member. In his role as president, you could, like you said, Tevi, through the stories and uh, just for me watching from a distance in those very uh, formational years of my life, uh, in my teens and early 20s, um, he just seemed to be so authentic and real and and down to earth and humble. And, you know, so I, I think that we can learn so much from his example. Um, and when I think about priesthood and, and leadership in the church, characteristics that he carried um, are just top top of the heap for me. So I I can't say that enough. There was there's just something special about and I, you know I, it's funny because I was looking at his picture too and and I think about my grandparents and I think about grandparents are different today in this generation than than they were when my grand you know when my grandparents were around and they there's just a calming spirit and a loving gentle way and uh, I I could certainly see Wally B being a great grandfather. <laughs> Mm -hmm. so so before i read the last story that came in do you guys have any i mean maybe i know you had just a big weekend and um i'm really uh sorry to say that the circumstances did not allow me to even be able to watch uh the memorial yesterday in the temple but i do understand that it will be um or is already posted online and is available to watch so would encourage uh, those who did not get an opportunity to do that to to be able to go online and and watch that. I know that I am looking forward to doing that. But did did you guys maybe in your conversations with folks this weekend as people were gathering, did you hear other stories that that stuck out for you, or maybe even just your own story that you would share? Um. Well, we had a reception line, you know, after the memorial service, but it's not a really good time to hear right. <laughs> people are just kind of shuffling and by talking yeah it was but there was a lot of people that are like oh i knew him from this and this or i knew him from this and this and you're like like i didn't even know you know like for the rotary club or whatever it is and i was mm -hmm. like you know obviously i never met those people before but you know he had affected a lot of different people in a lot of different you know, right, not just the church. Lots of life, yeah. Um, yeah, the in, the information shared in in his obituary that your aunt wrote, um, mm -hmm. or Julie, your sister wrote. I mean, really shows how deeply he was involved in, and your mom as well, in world right. hunger and uh, bread for the world, and and all those mm -hmm. all of those things. Just really, really stayed completely active. Rotary Club, and of course, um, and and our listeners may or may not know. I mean, you mentioned Julie that he was a doctor. He was an ophthalmologist. Right. And uh, mm -hmm. before that, he was in the Navy. Yes. So um, so he did. He touched people across the span of the world in lots of different ways. So, right. Um, yeah. But any anything else that I didn't mean to interrupt, but anything else that came from yesterday or. No, I don't think so. Um, I just shared in my talk um, that, you know, what we've been talking about, that he was just my dad. And so I told stories about when we were kids and, you know, just stories like most people have about their dad. So that I think not everyone um, realized, you know, or don't think about him that way. Um, right. But um, he, you know, we went on family vacations and, you know, did all those things that, that families do and he was always present i mean he was always there for us and i felt like i i had a great dad um so i'm happy to share that part of him 
and we had a display of his his life basically mm-hmm. and i hope people got to go through that it was up the worshipers path at the temple oh, wow and we uncovered so many things putting that together mm-hmm. um he was in the marching band in his high school he played the drums and you know just a thing you know lots of different things that came to light through just going through lots of memorabilia. We have his jacket, his flight jacket from his Navy days and, you know, those kinds of things. So it was really fun putting that together. And I hope people got a chance to kind of get a little bit more of a flavor of his life because a lot of people were, you know, knew that church part um, and not so much um, the other part. Yeah, and all his paintings, too. We had a painting up there, and I was like, why is this up there? And they're like, he painted that, too. I'm like, I've seen that painting in their house, and now it's in your house. My whole life, I did not know he painted that. We're like, I was today years old when I learned (laughs) that he's the one that painted that. I thought just that was a random painting, but it was he who painted it. Yeah, he was a very good artist. He was very artistic and creative. He could draw like crazy. I'll admit that sometimes during church services when we were little, he would draw on the bulletin um, and make little pictures and stuff for us. So (laughs) he he was really creative. Wow. So drummer and artist on top of all the other things, any, any other, anything (laughs) else you learned that we might want to know about just, just fascinating what, what he covered. I wish that the the YouTube would have gone through the worshipers path because I don't think they did to show all that stuff that was on display because we had six tables worth of memorabilia and all that stuff from all throughout his life, including the Wally Beeble display. Right. We had um, a trivia game all based on my dad's life for his 94th birthday. Um, and we had teams and we used the quiz bowl buzzer thing, you know, from right. popular. Uh-huh. Um, and we had, you know, teams and little was, trophies that little we had trophies. Out. So we had sample questions from that. And so was that a family fun. gathering or was that beyond the family? It was mostly family and a few friends. Right. Yeah. yeah. We had it at so who, John's village who, where they lived. Who won? Who won? My team. <laughs> Well, yeah. you have a grandma on your team. So, so. Oh, <laughs> that's a bit of a cheat. It's fair. It's yeah. not fair. And I showed the little, the trophies were this big, but uh-huh. I showed it in, um, in the service yeah, yesterday. Yeah. But we had a lot of fun. I mean, laughter was a huge part of any family gathering. Everyone has a really good sense of humor. And we um, laughed a lot mm-hmm. during any type of family gathering that's that's great that's great happy any favorite grandpa story that you can share i mean memory (laughs) one that doesn't require a lot of backstory like (laughs) (laughs) um but i just remember um i'm feeling because like my cousin said this too during our uh service but like we played a lot of games we had a lot of cards um, and so that was the only time where we got a little bit, um, cutthroat is when we would play <laughs> cards, oh. um, but more grandma than grandpa, as far as, you know, being a little bit cutthroat and, you know, sneaky. Okay. So, so I have to know what, what card games did you play? We mostly played 500, which is, I don't know if that's a game that everybody knows, Uh, But it's kind of the same, like, along the lines of maybe spades or euchre, kind of. You play with a partner and you, you know, trump and win tricks, that kind of of thing. Um, So that's a game that's been passed. Like, you played with your grandparents and stuff. It's kind of a family game that Mm -hmm. a lot of our gatherings, there was some game of 500 going on Mm -hmm. at some point. That's great. That's great. Well... So I want to 
share our last story. And this okay. came in from Alicia Smith in Fort Wayne, Indiana. And she writes, it is with great love and respect that I remember President Emeritus Wallace B. Smith over the past 50 years or so. I became a member of the church in 1973 and had the privilege of meeting then President W. Wallace Smith in Peoria, Illinois, where our congregation was celebrating 100 years. Then came the news that President Smith had designated his son as the next president of the church. It was early in my spiritual journey with the church, so we did not at that time attend world conferences. I remember hearing about Wallace B. Smith's ordination as president in 1978, and then in 1984, his revelation to the church, now Doctrine and Covenants 156. When I heard about the opening of the priesthood to women, I remember thinking, it's about time. Then I read about the construction of the temple and felt a level of excitement even then. Shortly after Section 156 was given to the church, we moved to Fort Wayne, Indiana. In 1994, we decided as a family to attend World Conference for the first time. By that time, the Temple in Independence had been constructed. The tunnel between the temple and the auditorium was going to be used for general conference access for one of the first times. Our son, Chris, was old enough to join the Youth Service Corps. After his first assignment, he enjoyed being an integral part of the conference and being with youth his own age, that he took any other assignment they offered him. The Youth Service Corps supervisor, Kevin, had impressed upon all of the youth staff members that traffic in the tunnel must be kept moving to avoid congestion and possible increased risks. One day, Chris was stationed at the temple end of the tunnel to keep people moving, a job he took very seriously. At one point, Wallace B. Smith started to enter the tunnel and then decided to stop and chat with Chris. Chris was well aware that Wally B. was the president of the church, so he enjoyed chatting with him and temporarily suspended his duties. Kevin was further along in the tunnel and noticed that someone wasn't moving along as expected, so he signaled Chris to move the person along. Chris signaled to Kevin that all was well, but Kevin decided to move towards that end of the tunnel to see what the problem was and probably add some adult encouragement to move the person along. As Kevin got closer, he realized that Wally B. had stopped to chat with Chris, and it became clear why Chris hadn't encouraged Wally to move on. It was an amazing experience for her son, one that he enjoyed sharing with us that evening. I think it speaks so much to Wally's personal touch with everyone that he took the time to chat with Chris, an impressionable young man serving the church in the Youth Service Corps, someone who would not normally have contact with Wally or others in the leading councils of the church. It's a memory that has lingered with our family through the years, along with many others of a less personal nature. We remember Wally's life of service to the church and our worldwide community. We thank his family for sharing him with all of us and offer our condolences, love, and prayers as they journey through the grief of his passing. It's a great way to finish this out. Thanks to you, first of all, Tepi and Julie. Thank you for being here with me today to help share some of these stories. Special thanks also to those of you from around the church who shared your stories with us. It wouldn't have been the same without you, and we really appreciate you taking the time to do so. I know there are lots and lots and lots more stories out there. I encourage our listeners to share those stories with each other as we keep alive the legacy of uh, Wallace B. Smith, affectionately known to many of us as Wally B., um, and thank you, uh, Julie, especially having grown up uh, in the teenage years and sharing your dad We and Tepe for your sharing your grandpa. We know that it wasn't your choice, but um, <laughs> it, benefited, it benefited so many people and, and he was beloved, as we have heard in some of these stories. I want to remind our listeners, uh, as I said at the beginning of the episode, that this is uh, the fourth in a mini-series where we reposted some previous episodes. So if you haven't heard those and would like to go back and listen to them, they're pretty close up in the queue. Go to projectzionpodcast.org. Uh, the first one is episode 629 now, and that is an episode uh, that is actually with Wally B. himself. And then uh, episode 630 is with Julie. 
as she tells a little bit about herself and uh, some of some of her own stories growing up uh, in the church. And then 632 is a repost of the Cup of Joe series where Lachlan Mackay and Tony Shavala Smith talk with Karen Peter about the Wallace v. Smith era of the church. We are certainly blessed as a people to have had Wally B as a part of the church and his legacy, I know, will continue to live on um, through these stories and the ways that he touched many lives. So blessings to all. If you do have stories that you would like to share, feel free to continue to share them at projectzionpodcast at gmail.com. Uh, like I said earlier, we may or may not have an additional episode to share stories, but we will definitely share those stories with the family. So thanks for being with us and have a great day. Thank you, Blake. Thank you.